this thing on? Because it's getting ready to be on. Hey everybody, welcome to Bell Ringer. My name is Greg. Your guest name today is Megan McNally. She heads up the foundry on Buffalo's east side. They have maker spaces and they help minority and women-owned businesses and entrepreneurs get off the ground. They help and prioritize neighborhood businesses to really put a lot of energy back into their neighborhood and to aspire to be creative and find ways to monetize their creativity. It's a really awesome program, and this is a great episode. Thanks so much for listening. Rate us on iTunes, and that's it. Thank you. So for those that don't know, what is The Foundry? So The Foundry is a business incubator and creative education space. We house four maker spaces, which provide access to uh, woodworking, metalworking, textile, and tech tools, um, both for businesses and for youth who are learning different job skills. So it's not the place where a bunch of my coworkers get married? Oh, dun, dun, dun. Um, No, it isn't. And actually... The background background of that question is my coworker, Alan, who you know, Mm -hmm. who helped us set this up, told me that I should lead with that question. That's funny. And then that would trip you off or, you know, make you laugh. I actually, you know, when I introduce ourselves, oftentimes I'll mention that because people get confused. But we actually have had kegs show up and DJs and, you Mm -hmm. know, party guests. But no... Someday, maybe we will host a, like, maker-oriented wedding, but... That would be cool, yeah. That would be fun. Yeah, we had, um, Olivia, we're a team of 11, and Olivia, Casey, and Alan all got married at the other foundry, (laughs) not to be mentioned on this podcast. The foundry suites. Foundry suites, yes. So, um, your foundry... Yes. ...is what we're excited to talk about today. Yes. (laughs) Um... For those that don't know, you listed kind of the industries that they're in, but what is a makerspace? Um, so a makerspace is basically providing access to tools. Um, either it's for makers who are creating and, you know, small batch manufacturing things that they would sell, um, but it also can be um, just providing access to, for education. So. Um, really just the critical piece is access to tools and resources and like knowledge of how to use those um, tools. And um, it doesn't have to be woodworking or metalworking. It just has to be some sort of industry. So, um, you know, ours, like I said, uh, really focuses on metal, wood, tech, and textiles. Um, But we have a lot of computer-assisted design tools um, meaning that, you know, you basically tell the computer to print out some fancy object and it either cuts it in metal, it cuts it um, out of wood. Um, we're getting a digital knitting machine, so you could essentially you know, print your own sweater if you wanted to, or wow. a sweater for your dog. I don't know if you have a dog, but... I don't have a dog, uh, but you could I will print myself <laughs> a really cute sweater, maybe around Christmas time, an exactly. ugly Christmas sweater or something. You totally could do an ugly Christmas sweater. All right, I'll stop by. Now we've got to set up a second meeting. Um, so who do you most often find leveraging these maker spaces? Who is it open to in our community? I think that's honestly the beauty of the foundry. So, you know, some people ask about who is who comes to the foundry and I don't think I really have an answer of the particular person. Um, and so it's really open to everyone and anyone who's interested in learning. And, um, you know, we have people who are 
five years old who are, you know, we're bringing them on a tour and they see sparks fly and they get really excited about it. And, you know, all of them decide that they want to be underwater scuba welders for life. <laughs> um, but then we also, you know, have folks who are in retirement age who are, you know, 70 plus who want to um, really give back and teach what they've learned to other people. So, you know, all different ages, races, religions, etc. Um, it's really just the critical piece would be if you're interested in making and creating it all. Right. I didn't even know scuba welders was a thing. Oh, yeah. They're paid pretty well. Now I'm interested. I would never do it. It's <laughs> so dangerous. I scuba dive, scuba oh, really? dove one time. Okay. And... It was a fun experience, but it was so imagine scary. like sparks and yeah. <laughs> heat around oxygen tanks. It just right. seems a little yeah scary. Yeah, but um, that's interesting about the kids, and it's something I wanted to talk about, um, like piquing their interest in trades and like mm-hmm. you know working with your hands at a younger age because there's no denying that we kind of have a skilled workforce shortage. How important is it to you to get these kids interested in it when they're young and make it seem like it's something within reach that they can do when they grow up as a career. Yeah, I think you're so right in saying there's no denying that we have a shortage of skills. And um, I think in particular with the way that work is moving, especially in manufacturing, and there's a ton of automation happening. So we really focus on um, getting people excited about making but the reality is uh, there's not many woodworkers left in the world who are making, you know, buco bucks. But if you can translate that love for making into understanding, well, if you can access a CNC router, if you can access a laser cutter that cuts wood, um, being able to sort of upskill and access those additional skills for, um, you know, digital literacy and um, access to computer assisted design tools is really, you know, where the focus is. And so... What we're really looking to do is spark people's creative side um, to say, yes, there are valuable um, skill sets that you can learn. And yes, there's significant amounts of money that you can make. So, um, you know, there's I think there's this, you know, perceived notion that if you go to college, you're going to make more than if you, um, you know, go into the trades. And that's just absolutely not true. Um, and so just trying from a young age to really change those conversations and bring, you know, we both bring in the students who get excited about it, but then also bringing in the adults and the parents who might have a preconceived notion around, you know, the amount of money you can make as a tradesperson. Um, not to mention, even if you start your business, sort of the endless opportunities of making income. Right. And the creative creativity piece of that is really interesting to me. Um I think when most people think of creativity, they think of a designer or a writer, but, you know, it very much is a woodworker or, you know, folks like that. Um, You know, in what ways do you find inspiration in those for your creativity and, and how beneficial do you think it is for people at the Foundry to use that as an outlet? I think having different skill sets within the Foundry Um, People interact. It's a very organic way of interacting. So, you know, we have four different spaces that people are accessing, but also we have all the businesses that have all these um, different skill sets. And so having different sort of people and different sort of skill sets interacting really um, 
increases people's creativity and like openness about trying new things and, and trying things differently and seeing the results of that. Um, you know, I have a good example of, so one of our businesses who started off making um, wine glasses, so he was cutting up old wine bottles, like uh, sanding them down. Um, he was working in his shop and I was running at the time, I was running a commercial uh, woodworking business. We were commissioned by a brewery to make um, these bottle openers that were round and um, they were basically for like drink coasters that you could put your mug on at the brewery. And he took one look at it. He was not into what he was doing at the time, but he wanted to figure out a way to quit his job. Um, and he said, oh my God, these look like hockey pucks. And do you mind if I take this idea, transition it? And so now he runs Buffalo Bottle Craft um, and he makes um, bottle openers out of hockey pucks, golf balls, and baseballs. But had he not been in that creative atmosphere to just um, be encouraged to think outside the box and think differently, he may not have transitioned um, what he was doing into this other um, business, which has really allowed him to, you know, quit his job, hire people full time, um, and you know, be really successful. So, yeah, that's creativity awesome. is super important. Yeah, and people in the like startup community always talk about collisions is yes. kind of the buzzword, and you know, between the makerspace and the incubator that you guys have, I'm sure there's tons of that. Absolutely. So can you talk a little bit about the incubator space and um, the types of companies that are that are housed within you? So uh, we make a commitment to makers in general, um, obviously, because we have maker spaces. Right. The idea really being behind it. So when I started my commercial woodworking company, you know, no bank is going to lend you money because they don't have the proof of your income. Um, and so we have a lot of businesses that are starting up, maybe they're in their garage, um, in their basement, and their significant other says, like, you better commit to making this work. Um, but they don't necessarily have the um, proof of concept where they could go out and get, like, a $50,000 loan for equipment. Um, and so what we do is we work with them to house them in our space to say, why don't you use our equipment for a while? build up your capacity to then apply for equipment loans um, and uh, people start off in about a hundred square feet so what we realized at the time is you know there's I actually didn't know this until I started getting into it but um, it's actually pretty difficult to find a hundred square feet of space that is zoned in a particular way that would support making um, and so you have a lot of you can get a office in some random building for 100 square feet um, but doing a business that's particular to making is um, very difficult to find anything less than like 600 to a thousand square feet and so what we do is we specialize in 100 square feet um, we start off and then throughout the process um, our max is about five or six hundred square feet and once you get to that point, it's really helping you graduate to other spaces within the city to say, like, you know, you've, you've built and grown your capacity to this point, and here's all the other resources available um, real estate-wise in Western New York. Um, but as a business, you get access to um, business assistance services. Um, we partner with uh, Westminster Economic Development Initiative, as well as um, the Beverly Grace Center, as well as Small Business Development Center. A bunch of different um, you know small business assistance organizations where you'd be able to meet one-on-one -on -one with a coach um, but also you can attend different classes within the foundry um, and it's really uh, I would say 
buying into a network, an existing network. So, you know, as a startup business in the startup world, like your number one driver is trying to get more people who know about you because you just are an unknown entity. Right. Um, and so, you know, being at the foundry, you're automatically exposed to everyone within the foundry who's also rooting for you, who also refers you out to people. Um, and then we give weekly tours. Um, so, you know, we have um, usually hundreds of people who are visiting within a week, um, week's time that get to see your business and, and elevate your um know elevate yourself yeah and how many businesses will you typically house at, at one time so it depends on uh, the different sizes of the businesses so we can right now we're at 26 um, but that's because multiple businesses have taken over more than 100 square feet right um, so we're very flexible in our ability to change from 100 to you know 400 500 600 square feet um, and so right now we're at 26. Uh, we just added eight additional spaces upstairs. So, um, you know, typically I'd say we'll probably go from 26 to 40 mm-hmm. businesses, just depending on the different sizes and right. that people are at. And do you have uh, an anecdote or like a favorite success story that has, you know, graduated into another space and... Maybe not a favorite, but one that comes to sure, mind. I don't yeah. want to make you. Put I mean, you there in a are spot. there are so many um, examples. Um, there is. Um, I'll give you two, maybe. So um, one of them, you know, we have different levels of success. I would say, um, you know, so you have the higher growth businesses um, that end up hiring multiple people or in national um, have national contracts, that kind of stuff, and then you also have people who just want to employ themselves, and that's awesome too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we worked with, um, an individual who is graduating this month, um, Buffalo Boho. Um, and she, uh, worked with us. She does jewelry, um, and uses these, uh, glass beads that are made out of the Czech Republic, um, very particular trade. But so she has developed her, her line of jewelry for a while, um, was in our space, then, um, elected to go into the pop-up uh, the Buffalo pop-up, um, through Budsey. Okay. Um, and just realized like she loves that space. She needs more space. She ended up getting some national contracts and, um, her, just her sales has really increased. So she's graduating into that bigger space that's in the market arcade. Um, so, you know, it's not like she's hiring 50 people, um, but, um, providing for herself and providing an opportunity for other people to enjoy her jewelry. Um, and then we have another, uh, business that's graduated, um, Sandra, um, beauty. So she, um, started her business when she was nine and, um, basically from there was able to, um, was able to grow her business. Her, her mother came to us essentially and said, I don't know what to do. Like she's taking over our kitchen. What do we do with her? And I was like, I don't know. We'll find a space for her. So, um, we built out a little space for, her. um, she moved into about 150 to 200 square feet, then needed 400 square feet. And then, um, she eventually graduated into 5,000 square feet in great arrow, um, has contracts with target. So she supplies 700 different target stores across the nation. Um, and all at the age of 18. Or maybe she's 19 now, but... Yeah, and starting at 9. Right, right. So, you know, you have, you know, bigger examples like that where, you know, she's hired multiple people and, right. um, you know, 
travels around the country doing speaking engagements and stuff like that. But both of them are considered super successful and, you know, it just is what you want out of it and whatever you want is what we want to help you achieve. Right. And then how can, um, how can large companies in the area support the foundry, whether it be sponsorship or, you know, events, anything like that? Yeah, so we just started doing this really fun um, opportunity. So we do we do sponsorships, but part of the sponsorship um, and what we realize is really important to um, some of the larger companies is opportunities for team building. Um, and so uh, we take different teams and work on communication skills and, and trust and all that sort of stuff in a shop. So, you know, building it, we do a building challenge in the metal shop. Um, where we had a bunch of bankers in there, like learning how to weld and plasma cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and so taking people out of their normal day and um, you know out of their comfort zone to have um, this activity, but being able to have conversations around um, things that normally bug them or you know issues that come up during um, the normal work day, but it's much easier to have a conversation about that once you've done something that nobody in the group is familiar with. Um, and so you're able to have more constructive conversations. So we do that, um, but we also, um, we're just starting to do this thing called Foundry Made. Um, essentially it's employing some of our students who have graduated through our programs um, to make basically like marketing materials. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I have an example here is a keychain. Um, and so, you know, students can learn how to laser cut and engrave, but then they can put invest Buffalo Niagara on the keychain or, you know, whatever, um, big company. Um, and so we're looking for companies to support us by just giving us a portion of their marketing dollars. Um, you know, they get something in return, but it's also really a valuable, um, learning lesson for our students because they also learn about the contracting aspect. They learn about, um, you know, cost of materials and how to, you know, price things and how to make th- uh, make a line of, of items. And then hopefully we're going to be working with some of them who may be interested in starting their own businesses to roll out some of their, you know, business ideas once they participate in that program. So Awesome. Yeah. And then you guys are located on the east side of Buffalo. Yes. And... Um, Obviously, there's like a lot of momentum growing over there between Northland and we just recently had Royce on with the Beverly Gray oh, great. Uh, Business Exchange Center. He's going to be happy that I said that, right? <laughs> um, so like what makes you optimistic about that area and, you know, happy to be over there and what promise do you see? Um, I don't know. I mean, I've lived there for, let's see, 10... 11, maybe 11 years now. Um, so I actually live right next to the foundry. Um, I mean, it's just like any other community in Buffalo. People look out for each other and, um, you know, there's exciting stuff finally happening, um, with a lot of investment, but I think it's always been a great place to live. It's just, um, you know, different perceptions from different people. Right. So, um, we're just committed to being there and committed to support the momentum and, um, hopefully we can graduate some more small businesses from the area and, you know, see a lot of success there. Right. And then you guys are focused on, um, like minority and women entrepreneurs in your space and, um, neighborhood entrepreneurs locally, you know, why, why that focus for you and, you know, why is it important to you? Uh, I think, um, in general, 
focusing on minority and women-owned businesses is primarily just because if you look at the demographics of the city, you know, if there's 40% African-American folks living in the city, there hopefully should be 40% owned black-owned businesses in the city. Right. Um, you know, so really trying to um, even the playing field, I think, um, is our commitment. And, um, you know, same with women. If there's 52% women in the city of Buffalo, there shouldn't be like 20. I think it's something like 20-something percent women-owned businesses. So, you know, how can we just um, level the playing field? Although, you know, we, we don't want to have the perception that other folks are not welcome in the foundry, right? Like, so yes, we do prioritize. Um, if you are strictly from the neighborhood 14208, we would um, try to help you move into the space um, and sort of give you a leg up um, over maybe some other applications. But, um, you know, we're not exclusive to that. It's just really trying to see, you know, how can we level the playing field in the um, region for increasing minority and women-owned businesses. Yeah, and that feels like the beauty of this space is kind of the openness and the collaboration that can exist and just how organic it really is. Absolutely. That's why I love being there. <laughs> so thank you very much for your time. Before we let you go, a couple of Blizzard round questions. Okay. You're cringing already. <laughs> I know. If you were a flavor of ice cream, what would you be? Oh. Um, chocolate with peanut butter chunks book or tv show that you'd recommend god these are really hard <laughs> um okay book or tv show can i skip that one yeah okay can we come back to it <laughs> maybe we'll skip for maybe. now we'll see what you think text or phone call text bills or sabers um the bandits Bandits, good pick. That's the same thing Alan said on oh, one of really? our first episodes. So much more fun to... I'm sorry for all of the football and hockey no. fans. But Bandits I, games are great. They're great. They play rock music the whole time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the announcer gets into it. Oh, yeah. Uh, hiking or skiing? Um, I'll have to go with hiking because it's a little bit more affordable. Although I do love skiing. Uh, book or TV show? Or still pass. I mean, I've been watching the Twelve Monkeys lately. Okay, it's kind of an interesting. One. That's something we got one. <laughs> and then last question: Chicken wings, drumstick or flat? Mm, drumstick, because it has the crunchy parts. Perfect. That's my exact <laughs> answer. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on. Thanks for having me. privately funded, nonprofit marketing and economic development organization. Please rate this podcast, follow our social media channels, and read our blog at buffaloniagara.org for the best of Buffalo Niagara. Come grow your business with us.